So we've been doing a series on basic things that we need to uh, incorporate in our lives as part of our Christian life. And we have an acronym for that which is called CAFES, Confession, Almsgiving, Fasting, the Eucharist, um, reading scriptures or um, spiritual reading, um, CAFES, all undergirded by prayer. And also there's another S which is about the saints, all right, so... That's probably to come, I think, maybe. I'm not sure if we did that one yet. But today we're talking about prayer. And um, as I was thinking about this, uh, I was thinking about myself and the fact that I've been Orthodox. I was baptised in 2013. So it's almost 10 years. Um, But really, in terms of the Orthodox Christian life, it's not particularly long. And um, I did listen to a podcast once or a video by um, Father Seraphim Aldea. Do anyone, does anyone know him? Father Seraphim Aldea is a um, priest monk at the Monastery of Mull. And uh, he talked about prayer and he was basically saying that when you begin to pray, in the Orthodox tradition anyway, for about the first five to ten years, you're not really praying in a sense, you're practising to pray that it takes a long time to develop true prayer and that it doesn't come that quickly, doesn't come that easily. So I was looking at myself and thinking, well, I guess that makes me a beginner. And so I'm not sure that I'm qualified to talk to you about prayer. So what I was thinking about then was, well, who is qualified to talk to you about prayer if it's not going to be me? And who can I invite to maybe talk about prayer? So um, what I did was I looked at my bookshelf and I found a great saint, who is more than qualified to talk to us about prayer. Now, this saint is St. Theophan the Recluse. Who's heard of him? Some people have, some people haven't. He should be much better known. Um, Maybe you've heard of St. John of Kronstadt, you've heard of a lot of other Russian saints, but St. Theophan the Recluse is one of the great Russian saints. He was uh, born in the early uh, 19th century, and he died in 1894. He was the Bishop of Tambov. He was... um, heavily involved. He was a main figure in, in uh, translating the Philoclea into Russian. Um, he, was, he wrote extensively on the spiritual life, the Christian life, and how to live it. Um, the, the raising of children in piety and in the Christian life. He wrote about all these kind of things. So he's a, and he wrote extensively. He, had, um, he was the spiritual father of literally thousands of people. And so he knew a lot about the spiritual life, about how to live it, how it develops, all those kind of things. So um, what I've thought to do was to introduce some parts of St. Theophan's writings to you about prayer. The first one is from this book, which is called The Path to Salvation, um, which is a manual of spiritual transformation. Of the books that are in English, this is probably the more textbook-like, I suppose, and so maybe not the easiest to read. Um, but the one that I'm going to read from a little later is a fantastic book, and I'll introduce that to you shortly. But in this book, he's talking about prayer, and the section where he's talking about prayer is actually the main reason why we pray. Sorry, this is getting in my way. What, prayer, what is prayer about? Prayer is about development of the heart. Our hearts are where we commune with God most closely. It's where... We're supposed to be working in our lives such that our hearts become united with Christ and that through our hearts, the energies of God 
flow into us and through us to other people and into creation. So the heart is the place, the most important place that needs to be developed in us. And prayer is one of the major ways in which that takes place. So St. Theophan says, developing the heart means developing within it a taste for things holy, divine and spiritual, so that when it finds itself amidst such things, it would feel as though it were in its element. Like when we come to church and we come in here and we feel like we're at home. We feel like like we're at home because the taste for things holy, the taste for things spiritual and divine has been developed in us. So that's what he's saying this development of the heart is all about. And then he says about this, the work directed at it is all of our church services in all forms, common and personal, at home and in church, and it is mainly achieved through the spirit of prayer moving within it. So a very important point about prayer is that it doesn't only encompass what we do at home. When I was a Protestant Christian, prayer was more or less something you did at home, I thought, really. You went to church and you sang songs and you do all kinds of things, but you didn't necessarily think of it as praying. In the Orthodox tradition, our liturgy and all of the services are prayers. In fact, the liturgy is the most important prayer service that we have in the Orthodox tradition. And so every other aspect of prayer in our lives flows from what is happening in the liturgy on Sundays. Those prayers that we do connect us back in to what we've received here on Sunday and help us through the week to maintain the spirit of the spirit that we have receiving when we come in here to the liturgy. He goes on to say, um, church services, that is all the daily services. Now remember, this is 19th century Russia. It's an Orthodox Christian society. The church is everywhere. Right? The whole, the whole society is organised around the liturgical cycle in some sense. So you could go to churches every day of the week, multiple times a day, if you wanted to. So it's a different society. But he's saying church services, that is all the daily services, together with the entire arrangement of the icons, candles, sensing, singing, chanting, movements of the clergy, as well as the services for various needs, then services at home, also using ecclesiastical objects such as icons, holy oil, candles, holy water, the cross and incense. All of these things, all of these holy things together, acting upon the senses, our sight, hearing, smell, touch and taste, these are the cloths that wipe clean the senses of a deadened soul. So the services, the icons, everything that takes place in here, These are like he's saying, these are cloths that wipe clean our deadened soul, make it pure and clarify it. And he says here also, the most important thing is, basically he says that all of this is undergirded by prayer. Okay, that everything that, all of those things, of all of those things, most importantly it's undergirded by prayer. So we say this actually with our cafes, that all of the other aspects of things that we do is undergirded by prayer. Prayer is the power of everything else. Without prayer, the almsgiving, the fasting, and all of those things are not going to go well. They're not going to go properly, and they'll be probably diverted 
or distorted into something which is not right. So prayer is the beginning of everything. We need to make an effort to pray. On some practical matters, he says that we need to accustom ourselves to praying, obviously. And some notes that he says here. We need to have a rule of prayer. And I'm going to read from you, read to you a letter that he's written to a young woman shortly, at least part of it, um, which outlines some of these things. So I won't go through everything that he says here about prayer, but just some of the things that he doesn't make clear in his letter. Um, so you choose a rule of prayer. That's evening prayers, morning prayers, and prayers throughout the day for meals and for other, little, other occasions that we might have. For those of you who are not used to praying, start small. Choose a small prayer rule, something that's relatively short. The reason for this is because if you're not accustomed to it, then if you go too hard, you're more likely to just not continue. And prayer is the foundation of everything. So you need to be able to do it for your whole life, every day. So you can't just, you can't start off too hard and then just drop off partway through. It's something we need to be able to maintain. It, we can increase it as we grow stronger, as we get accustomed to it. But in the beginning, things need to be small and doable so that we become accustomed to things in a proper way. Pray always with fear, diligence, and all attention. Okay, and then he says a few other things. Um, the prayers that you read should be written in the prayer books. So if, if you haven't got a prayer book, you can buy them from any Orthodox bookshop. There are prayers in the back of the Orthodox Study Bible. Um, if you look on many uh, church websites, like proper church websites, reputable Orthodox church websites, they will often have morning and evening prayers there. So the, these are absolutely available, so you need to choose those, but they should be prayers that are written in the prayer books. The reason for that is because those prayers were composed by saints. Those prayers were composed by people who were masters of the spiritual life, and they include in them all the kinds of things that we ought to be praying for when we pray. He says, you should always fulfill your prayer rule. Sometimes we fail, but we should always attempt, we should always try to fulfill our prayer rule. The last thing I'll say is that he says, reading, singing out loud, in a whisper or silently, it's all the same. The Lord is everywhere present. He fills all things. It doesn't matter whether you pray aloud or silently or anything else. It doesn't matter to the Lord. But he does say it may make a difference to you. So when you're praying, sometimes praying out loud might be better. Sometimes praying silently might be better. But as you begin to pray, you'll be, get used to the idea of when, you know, as you're moved, you, you'll change slightly on, on how you begin to pray. So that's what he says. There's more here, but I won't go into that. What I wanted to do was to read something that he wrote to a young woman. Now, it's a, this book is, if I had only one book on my bookshelf, besides the Bible and the prayer book, it would be this one. This is The Spiritual Life and How to Be Attuned to It by St. Theophan the Recluse. Um, fantastic book. What this, is, what this is is a collection of letters. And how it came about was that a young woman... Um, moved from the countryside to Moscow. She was a great singer. She moved from the countryside to Moscow to sing. And she'd grown up in a village, very simple. She was surrounded, and, you know, it's 19th century Russia. There's no YouTube. There's no whatever. So, you know, she's surrounded by all good influences in her life, in the, in the village life. She goes to Moscow, 
and suddenly she's thrown into a whirlwind of craziness, right? 19th century Russia, at the, the, especially the latter part, the orthodox culture is in decline there. Atheism is becoming more prominent, amongst, especially amongst the intellectual class. In the cities, people are beginning to completely reject anything to do with God and to live a life of pleasure and whatever they want. This is the life that she was kind of thrown into. And they had arranged that she would write to him when she got to Moscow. And she didn't do it straight away. She had reasons for that, which, are, which were to do with sickness in the family. But she eventually does write. And when she writes, she says, this crazy thing has happened to me. What's going on here in Moscow? What's she actually... I'll just read the very first part of what, it's she, what, the, um, what it says here. I can find it very quickly. Just the beginning of the story. It says, Once in the middle of the dance floor at some annual ball, a young lady had a sudden glimpse of the immortality of her soul. And as this vision flashed across her inward eye, she was struck with the thought that all this swirling around the dance floor was utterly futile. Amazed and disturbed, she wrote to the recluse, Is this normal? Or is it a morbid hindrance to a desire for a happy life in the world? The answer to her question evoked a correspondence which resulted in this volume. So these letters are all the answer to that question. Was when she went to Moscow and she found everything so insane and so futile. Was she, was she just being morbid? Was it just some morbid thing that kept her from having a happy life in the world? Or was she really looking for something else? And so he takes her through in 80 letters, a whole guide to the spiritual life and how she can develop that in the midst of all of that crazy life in Moscow, how can she develop her spiritual life? And this is what he says about the prayer rule. So let me read that. I'll only read half of it because it's rather long, um, but this is really important and I think has a lot in it for us. So he says, she asks him about a prayer rule. In this book, her letters aren't included, only his responses. So we only hear from his side but he says, he says to her, you asked about a prayer rule. Yes, it's good to have a prayer rule on account of our weakness so that on the one hand, we do not give in to laziness and on the other hand, we restrain our enthusiasm to its proper measure. The greatest practitioners of prayer kept a prayer rule. They would always begin with established prayers and if during the course of these, a prayer, what he means here is like the Jesus prayer or some other type of prayer, started on its own, they would put aside the prayers that they were praying and they would pray that prayer. If this is what the great practitioners of prayer did, all the more reason for us to do so. Without established prayers, we would not know how to pray at all. Without them, we would be left entirely without prayer. However, one does not have to pray many prayers. It is better to perform a small number of prayers properly than to hurry through a large number of prayers because it's difficult to maintain the heat of prayerful zeal when they are performed to excess. In other words, if you do too much, you'll give up. I would consider the morning and evening prayers as set out in their prayer book to be entirely sufficient for you. Just try each time to carry them out with full attention and corresponding feelings. To be more successful at this, Spend a little of your free time at reading over all the prayers separately. Think them over and feel them, so that when you recite them at your prayer rule, 
you will know the holy thoughts and feelings that are contained in them. Prayer does not mean that we just recite prayers, but that we assimilate their content within ourselves and pronounce them as if they came from our minds and hearts. After you've considered and felt the prayers, work at memorising them. Then you will not have to fumble about for your prayer book and light when it's time to pray. Neither will you be distracted by anything you see while you are performing your prayers, but can more easily maintain thoughtful petition towards God. You will see for yourself what a great help this is. The fact that you have your prayer book with you at all times, because you've memorised it, and in all places, is of great significance. Being thus prepared when you stand at prayer, be careful to keep your mind from drifting and your feeling from coldness or indifference, exerting yourself in every way to keep your attention and to spark warmth of feeling. After you've recited each prayer, make prostrations, as many as you like, accompanied by a prayer for any necessity that you feel or by the usual short prayer. The usual short prayer there, he means, is the Jesus prayer. So, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Or you could say another prayer like, Most Holy Theotokos, save us. Just some other short prayer. Something in your own words, something that between the prayers. This will lengthen your prayer time a little, but its power will be increased. You should pray a little longer on your own, especially at the end of prayers, asking forgiveness for unintentional straying of mind and placing yourself in God's hands for the entire day. So this is just the morning prayer Okay, he's talking about here. Now he goes on to talk about prayers during the day, how you can go through the day continuing to pray. You must also maintain prayerful attention towards God throughout the day. For this, as we've already mentioned more than once, there is remembrance of God, and for remembrance of God, there are, there are short prayers. It is good, very good, to memorise several psalms and recite them while you are working or between tasks, doing this instead of short prayers, sometimes with concentration. This is one of the most ancient Christian customs, mentioned by and included in the rules of St. Pacomius and St. Anthony. So he's saying there, during the day, you have a bunch of short prayers that you can use, the Jesus prayer, prayer to the Theotokos, you should re remember some psalms that you can recite during the day. I won't go through the whole um, list of psalms that he says, but he says, after spending the day in this manner, you must pray more diligently and with more concentration in the evening. Increase your prostrations and petitions to God, and after you've placed yourself in divine hands once again, go to bed with a short prayer on your lips and fall asleep with it or recite some psalm. So in the evening again, you come back and you pray as you did in the morning. Some of the psalms he recommends, he says, basically, whatever touches your heart when you read them. So Psalm 50, have mercy on me, O God, is one that he recommends. Everybody should remember that one, if you can. Psalm 50. It's, it's one of the great prayers. It's in our most services, okay? So it's a good one to remember. Uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul. The antiphons, the, two, the first two antiphons in the, the divine liturgy are from the psalms. So you've got, bless the Lord, O my soul, Psalm 102, and praise the Lord, O my soul, Psalm 145. Remembering those is good. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 22. Um, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, Psalm 23. These are from the communion prayers, the hymns from the communion prayers, okay, the, the Psalms. I believed wherefore I spoke, Psalm 115. And one that is also excellent is, O God, be attentive to helping me, Psalm 69. So all of these psalms are commonly in the prayers of our services 
and are psalms that it would be good to remember if we can, and recite them sometimes if you have need to. He says, after you've memorized all these, you will always be fully armed with prayer. When some disturbing thought occurs, rush to fall down before the Lord with either a short prayer or one of the psalms, especially, O God, be attentive to to helping me. That's Psalm 69. And the disturbing cloud will immediately disperse. And he says, there you are, everything on the subject of, of a prayer rule. And he says, I will, however, mention once again that you should remember that all of these are aids. So the prayer rule, reading the psalms, all these things are aids. They're there to help us. And what are they to help us to do? He says, the most important thing is standing before God with the mind in the heart, with devotion and heartfelt prostration to him. So always the aim of our prayer is to stand before God humbly and to ask him for his assistance in clearing, cleaning our heart and coming into our lives in a fuller and fuller way. Our prayer rule and everything else are aids to that. They're not the end. But they're very, very important aids and ones that we should not neglect. So that's St. Theophan the Recluse. I would, that's only a small aspect of that. His advice in here is fantastic. Some of it, again, it's 19th century Russia. So when you read it, you need to take that into account. You don't do everything that he says. Sometimes it's not possible anymore. But it's a fantastic book. And I would recommend it if you're interested. So that's St. Theophan. I wanted to add just one thing to this discussion on prayer, and that's our daily prayers, because we said prayer undergirds everything else. And we've talked about saints, we talk about scriptures, we talk about all of those things. And it's good to incorporate those things into our prayer if we can do so. And in some prayer rules you'll see at a certain place, they say, here you can read the scriptures. Okay? And some prayer rules, they just don't have it written down. But it's a good practice to do so. So, for example... If you've got a prayer rule, and it doesn't matter whether it says read the scriptures here or not, once you get to the end of the creed in your prayer rule, then all prayer rules would have the end of the, somewhere it'll have the creed in it. At the end of the creed, what you can do is read the scripture readings for the day and read the lives of the saints for the day right there. The purpose of this is to make sure, firstly, make sure that you actually do it, Right? Um, I know myself, if I don't read my prayers during the prayer rule, I'll be remembering to do it at midnight or something like that. Okay, it'll be later, much later in the day at a time when I feel like, okay, now I have to rush to read, to read the scriptures for the day. Or no, I'm not going to do it today, I'll put it off until tomorrow because now I'm too tired. Okay, so putting it in place inside your prayer rule as a habit, make sure that you do it. So the scriptures and, and also the lives of the saints there. The lives of the saints are fantastic. They've, they're examples to us. So putting it in the prayer rule is, helps to build in you the right kind of spiritual attitudes, the right kind of tone of the spiritual life. The other reason why you should try and put those into your prayer rule is because then they are in the right context. Reading scripture, reading about the lives of the saints, reading spiritual things, their context is within the church, within prayer. So we put them in prayer, put them in the right context. It's, we're, we're not academics. We're not studying things for the sake of studying things. We don't read the gospel for the sake of reading the gospel so we can pick it apart and find out who wrote Matthew, who wrote Luke, or any of these other questions that academics like to ask. We are reading it because it's life-giving, because it's changing us. So it needs to be 
in the right context, which is in the life of prayer of the church. Okay, I think I've said enough. So hopefully I've inspired you all to think carefully about your prayer life. If you don't have one, start, but start small. Start small. You can always build up, but don't start too big. So you can keep going through the rest of your life. Prayer is something that we do most importantly at the liturgy and in the other services of the church when we come together. But this is not 19th century Russia. We can't go to church every day anymore. We don't have services all the time. We have to pray outside the church. We have to pray at home. And we need to do it with some diligence so that we build in our lives that spiritual strength and character and it'll change us and purify us and make us worthy of Christ coming to live in us. Not that we're worthy, but he makes us worthy of that. So that's it. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh